Well, uh, hey, Mike. Hey, Colin. How you doing? I'm good. Hey, we're in the same room. We are. That's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, not really. It's super exciting. I have coffee, too. That's probably more exciting. I've, I've heard that before from... Folks. <sighs> Ladies. That was me being uh, deep, soulful. I know. Wistful. Emo. Uh, no, because I was doing the one, the versions of those that word with meaning. Oh. Huh. Hey, where are we? We're in Vegas. 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 Yes. Huh? Hi. It's funny that we're out of sync, even though we're in the same room. Yeah, I know. Quit talking over so, me. So, uh, NB 2013. What do you think? I think it's done. I think it's over. I don't know why I'm so tired, given that we didn't actually do anything. I don't know. We did some stuff. We had the show. We, you know, we stayed out late. We got up early. We walked a lot. I guess. Um. Yeah. So what did you? What do you think? Um. I mean, this is what you're. You're 14 for know. you, you're 13, I don't know. Lots of it's these. It's been a lot of them. Uh, how does it com- compare to the last few, and how does it compare to earlier? What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think the past few years when we've had the booth and we've been manning it full-time, I assumed I was missing a lot more of the show than I think I really was. Yeah. I mean, you know, we both kind of noticed that it didn't take a long time to see everything. Um, and and part of that I think is neither of us is shopping for anything right now. That's true. I mean, yes. You know, the the years that I came when I was like designing a studio from scratch, I remember feeling pressed for time. Well, and also like every single thing I wanted to see, I had already read about on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Twitter's definitely changed the experience. As I mean, well. there wasn't that like. 25 minute wait for the guy with the one guy with the with the polo shirt on to answer my question because for the most part we know what all these devices are already i mean the internet probably has a better description of what it is than the person standing there in the booth yeah and and the reality is as well that you know because companies have realized that the old model of sales sales force driven sales and everything else where you I was bringing this up yesterday that there are some companies, especially in the you know Central and North Hall, that even a few years ago you would go to their websites for you know a sync generator or something, and they would literally have no info on their products because right. they wanted Contact to go through their, their sales force, and that has really changed, and and almost no one gets away with that anymore, and so it's much easier to do that kind of research, and so the show is less useful for that kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, I mean now. It's all about being surprised by something. Like that's that's the big advantage is trying to find the thing that you didn't like, stumbling upon things that you weren't even looking for. Yeah. Um, but I guess before we get into if we saw any of those this year, um, we should start with I don't know overarching zeitgeist. What were the things this year? Well, I mean, I think you know the. The big trend and the big counter trend. Um, the big trend is 4K, and the, and the thing that is very, very dead is 3D. Right. And that's a dramatic shift from last year. 
Well, I think last year that it, we'd already hit the inflection point. Yeah. Two years ago was the year of 3D. Okay, you're probably right on that. And last year was the year where neither of them, you know, where they were sort of balanced. Right. And this is the year where 3D wasn't even mentioned. No, no. I mean, a few of the monitor makers had things in 3D, but even then it was almost nobody. And I saw, I heard nobody talking about 3D cameras. Right, right. Um, and that's, I'm Good sort riddance, of fine you know? with that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. It was a bad idea. Yeah. Um, if, and if you want to produce in 3D, there's plenty of options now, but uh, 4K is definitely the way to go. So. Yeah. And and that does seem like a pretty dramatic shift from last year to me. That um, last year, still 4K was something that happened mostly, you know, high end with like Sony F65 and then RED. Um, but now 4K is everywhere throughout the production pipeline and is fairly reasonable for anyone taking this stuff seriously i think yeah it definitely seemed that way um so i mean i guess we should we should probably start with uh the black magic that was yeah so they i mean they did a bunch of stuff you know in the as they want to do yeah in the 4k realm they revved their bmcc the black magic magic cinema camera they now added a 4k version to it for those people who weren't content with the two and a half k and then they also drove down market with the black magic pocket, pocket cinema cam yeah. cinema pocket everyone's camera. just calling it the pocket cam i don't yeah. actually know what the trade name for it is yeah um, which is a tiny little i don't know like handheld Doohicker. Yeah, so it's 1080 only. It's far smaller than any lens you will ever attach to it. I, I seem to be bleeding a lot. It's okay. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, and it takes an MFT mount and has a 16-millimeter uh, sensor. Yeah, Super 16. Super 16 sensor. Um, the, the 4K camera, to me, sort of feels like the camera that the BMCC should have been last year. Yeah, I'm a little surprised they didn't just kill it off. I mean, I, obviously they did it because they have so many pre-orders that they haven't delivered yet. Yeah. That it seems dumb to kill a product before you ever Though I assume almost it. everyone will find the extra $1,500 to upgrade those pre-orders right. to Hopefully 4K. Hopefully they'll cancel them, yeah. Um... You know, not just the extra resolution, but the fact that this the sensor is now a full Super 35. One of the things that always struck me as strange about the BMCC was the crop factor because it wasn't a it was an odd size sensor, um, and so it had a fairly severe crop. Right, and so they actually shipped another version as well. Right, they have an MFT now, Micro Four Thirds. Yeah. Is that a Micro Four Thirds sensor too? No. Okay. Just the mount. Just a different mount yeah. for the existing one. Okay. So, um, no real software workflow changes that I heard to the BMCC, but no. I didn't spend a lot of time at that booth. Um, and there were never any huge workflow hangups for them, anyways. I mean, being able to record ProRes yeah. kind of you know, shoots all those. You know, that checks off all the boxes you need. So, um, I, I, you know, for $4,000, it's a pretty good deal. It's certainly not, it's, it's a camera that serves a specific need and it's a great value. It doesn't serve every need. And I think there's still a lot of opportunity, um, for less expensive and more expensive 4k cameras. Like, I don't think we're 
I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like it puts anyone out of business. No, no. Um, you know, red individual camera models out of contention. Right. Yeah. I mean, red's probably threatened the most because right. they've, they've been in that similar space of low cost, high pixel count and somewhat complicated workflow. Right. Yeah. This, this seems like a, depending upon how the imagery looks and the you know, delivery times and whatnot, this seems like a fairly no brainer drop in replacement for a Scarlet. Um, the 4k one. Yeah. And I don't know. And, and I mean, what will be interesting is the super 16 little pocket cam seems like a fairly no brainer drop in for the kind of junk that you were trying to use a GoPro or a DSLR or a G GH3 not in like the extreme sports stuff where you just want a camera you can kill but in the like this needs to fit down in the corner of my dashboard so I can do you know my feature film without hiring a you know a car trailer to pull me around town um, and so I don't know I mean they're they're all really interesting additions to their line I hope they you know ship them quickly and get over all the you know the hurdles they had this last year with producing these things yeah yeah I mean I would like to think that they wouldn't be sort of ballsy enough to repeat those mistakes again yeah, but it doesn't take balls to not. Or, yeah, do that's what not. You want. That's not quite the word I meant. But that th they would be smart enough not to pre-announce a camera, unless at this point they were absolutely certain they could ship it in quantity and quality. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, 4K Ultra Studio. Yeah, that's going to be nice for us. Yeah, this is actually finally shipping. Was announced last at ibc or i don't know yeah so this is a replacement for the ultra studio 3d which is now dead um and so instead of a two channel left to right capture device over thunderbolt they have a four channel 4k capture device um, for a little bit more money but negligible marginal yeah i think it's 1300 street yeah which is totally reasonable um I think it's interesting that Blackmagic's really pushing this 6G SDI spec. Yeah, I yeah. so you want to explain that? <laughs> I don't really understand how it can work. Right, so, so yeah, so they announced a new format, or a new speed bump to HD SDI. One that I haven't seen come down the SMPTE pipeline, but I, I assume it must have. I don't know, I'll have to look at that when I get back to the office. But it seems like... I don't know. The the conversations I've had with people in the past, like the people who make cables like Belkin, um, not, not Belkin, Belden, Belden um, was that 3G was getting pretty darn close to the limit of what data you could send down a piece of, a single piece of copper before it, you know, it basically succumbed to um, issues with impedance. Um, and so maybe they've changed 
maybe it's not 75 ohm but there wasn't any talk of needing like new routers new switchers so it must be or like new patch bays so it has to be 75 ohm i don't know i mean good on them maybe signal analysis has just gotten so good that you can dig the signal back out of the the muck but i'm not sure i would build a studio out if i if you told me that was how they did it right right but uh, you know assuming it works it's certainly nice to be able to do 4k, 4K down a pipe cable. is great yes i agree so we'll have to do some digging hopefully uh if the spec isn't out already it will be yeah um and then the last giant thing they announced was Resolve 10. Yeah, and this is fairly giant. Everyone was really impressed by this. I didn't go to the, neither of us were at the launch press event thing, but um, yeah, they added a bunch of the sort of like finishing things one might need, like um, retiming and noise reduction and they added better editing tools. Um, it's really getting to be a thing that you you can sort of roll with some punches at, at the last minute without having to jump out to another system and then bring your stuff back in and reconform, uh, which is good. And then, you know, one of the, the things that seemed to have people most excited was OpenFX support, which is a plugin by the plugin architecture that was originally designed by the founder guys and you know basically opening the application up to third-party plugins and this is a first for them this is yeah this is yeah this is this is new and this should be i mean i think you know with you know shortly after the beta comes out maybe even at when the beta comes out of 10 we will start seeing a lot of really interesting, you know, most likely to begin with ports of existing plugins like Neat Video's Denoiser, and, um, you know, I'm guessing we'll see other Flixer, maybe. Um, you know, all of Sapphire apparently is being ported. Um, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, there's lots of look tools here and blurs and you know stuff which is really nice to have do you think that other people other NLE vendors and people are going to be spurred to jump on the OpenFX bandwagon now because of this I don't know I mean it feels like we're at the point now where plugin vendors don't really have a lot of qualms about supporting every single host out there sure I mean at this point it's just not that it's not that difficult, I guess, is the big thing. I mean, plugins, if you're making an image filter plugin, it's hard to imagine an API that's, that differs drastically from, you know, from the baseline. Uh, and so you just sort of take whatever, you know, sample plugin the host vendor gives you and you swap out their do stuff here method with your do stuff here, you know, library and you just recompile and send it off to the customers and so i don't know i mean it i think it may spur it makes sense to adopt this if you do not have a plugin architecture now like i think a lot of people will pick it up and sort of go for the net effect you know the people who can't command a giant list of people to port to them um 
But I don't think, you know, I don't think Final Cut X is going to add OpenFX support. I don't think Premiere is going to add OpenFX support just because they have a, you know, they have a plugin architecture already and they have a large enough installed user base that I don't think anyone is going to balk at the idea of writing another plugin. Sure. So, um, somewhat along those lines, the other big software announcement was Adobe CS Next, CS7. People are people are calling it CS7. Adobe sort of isn't, I guess, but... Yeah, we don't really know what it's going to be. Um, yeah, we don't know what it's going to be. We don't really know when it will come out. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. Like, they are willing to talk about every other aspect of this, except... The, yeah, the name and... I guess they don't want to say the name because they don't want to imply the date. Yeah. I mean, to but, say but it's to seven kind of... essentially says we're we're already giving up on our yearly Right, yeah, yearly because cycle. for folks who don't remember, a year ago they said we're going to this, tic- as we discussed in the last podcast, this TikTok cycle of CS6, CS65, CS7 on a 12-month cycle, basically. Right. And so that means we this should be CS65. Right. I mean, there's no reason for them to call it 7 just because, and release it early. Right. Release it this year. Because the whole thing they're trying to do is drive people to creative cloud, so they don't care about upgrade costs anymore. Right. Um, and so the only reason to call it CS7 is because it doesn't come out when it was supposed to. Right. And it'll be, I mean, it's a very nice update across the board, but I'm I don't see anything in there that made me say like, oh, that's definitely a CS7, but... But there never is anymore. That's true, yeah. I mean, it's a very mature product line, you know. I mean, I mean, I guess the thing that we don't know, and this is one of the problems for them with such a giant suite, is, you know, we saw what they're doing to Speedgrade, we saw what they're doing to After Effects, we saw what they're doing to Premiere, but those are like a minuscule portion of the Nest CS. I right. Mean, at NAB, majority they don't talk of about... their cash money is Photoshop. Right. At, at, at NAB, they don't talk about Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign. Right. In and Photoshop might just, they might have not even started it yet, like for all we know. Yeah. Like those three apps may be ready to ship and they're just going to like twiddle their thumbs while we make Content Aware Fill version 12. Right. What were the, uh, of the things you saw with, with the Adobe CS Next, was there anything that really excited you or... The you get a free copy of uh, Cinema 4D is pretty amazing. Yeah, and the ability to render Cinema 4D in your After Effects timeline. Do you have any sense of what the limitations of light are? No idea. No, me at all. Okay. I mean, I assume there are. I mean, what they specifically said. I mean. So the the like the the branding from from Maxon, the people who make cinema, is that they have Cinema 4D Lite, then they have Cinema 4D Broadcast, which obviously is designed for like I would assume motion graphics, and then they have another one called Cinema 4D Studio or something like that. Um, and so I'm hard pressed to. F- to figure out what you would put into After Effects that you wouldn't put that you would 
Well, what you would put in the broadcast package that wouldn't be in After Effects? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it remains to be seen, I think. I mean, I didn't specifically grill anybody at either booth, but... Yeah, well, it'll be cool to get as part of our Creative Cloud updates. Yeah. Um, and in Premiere, the things I saw were mostly just very nice polish. Yeah, I mean, they've done a lot to try to fix their timeline. Um, their timeline... I mean, like all photo, or like all of Adobe's products, they constantly add more buttons, and then eventually they, they add another button, which opens the button editor, and that's sort of their, you know, that's their final solution. And so, you know, they finally added a button editor to like every square inch of the of the screen real estate. So now, like, you know, you don't like that there? Oh, click on the button editor that we added and remove it. Um, and it's not, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a cheap way to do it. Um, you know, the, you know, I think, you know, to their credit and also to their detriment, they take the exact opposite road of Apple and they will never, ever remove a feature or move it for fear of right you know alienating the guy who's been using photoshop since 2.3 right you know? and even in cases like premiere pro where they declared sort of technical bankruptcy on the product they didn't declare interface bankruptcy right they still recreated every single button right. they changed the color a little bit right but that's about it and so i don't know i mean i wish they would go through and you know just blow stuff away i guess what they'll do is you know remove them and tell you to go open up the button editor and add it back in if you want it which yeah. i guess isn't you know too much worse but at some point they're gonna have to remove all the button editor buttons if they want enough screen real estate to do real stuff right and you know the thing i worry about with adobe with that mentality is just that over time it gets harder and harder to test and to sort of maintain all of that and i think that that's some of where they got they've in the past gotten to with some of their products um, yeah is that you know because there's not a single vision for what this product should be it just iterates and iterates and iterates um it gets harder and harder to sort of maintain any coherence within the application yeah definitely um but on the other hand I think they're still on the way up in terms of making these products better year over year. So Yeah. You know, I mean, you end up with a situation like they, in the next version they just announced for Premiere, where they now have, I believe, two conflicting audio level panels. They have one for track level uh, sound, and they have ones for clip level sound. And so, and you actually have to, like, switch between them. Yeah. Which I mean, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, they're still they're they're getting better. That's yeah. all we can hope for. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, let's jump to the Thunderbolt upgrade because this came early in the week, or actually last week, I think, the end of last week, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, Intel announced the next generation of Thunderbolt, which will include twenty gigabit per second dual channel and also four K display. Right. Uh, the latter being probably the more interesting part. Right, so we, I think we both kind of had the same set of questions about this that I haven't seen answered anywhere. Um, you know, so they changed, they added 4K, which is important because 
you know, the Thunderbolt is, Thunderbolt does two, serves two masters. It's both a data interconnect and it's, uh, um, it's basically a direct swap out for Mini DisplayPort. And Mini DisplayPort caps out, you know, below 4K. Right, at, at basically 27-inch cinema display res, whatever right. that is. Right, exactly that, yeah. yeah. 2560 by 1870 or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. And so them bumping that is great. What I wonder is, are they bumping the Mini DisplayPort spec and continuing forward with the, like, we are a pipe that all, that's, that does two things? Or are they now doing... Is it now like Thunderbolt is your main display port, but it's also this other display interconnect if you need more resolution? And it starts going... Yeah, I suspect it's still there. running over Mini DisplayPort for the video side of things. There is a Mini DisplayPort spec for doing 4K. There is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, there's a DisplayPort spec. Mini DisplayPort's just a connector. Smaller connector. Sure. Um, okay. Well, that's good. That's hopefully that's what they did there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just in terms of maintaining backwards compatibility and all, I think they would kind of have to. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, the other thing that you know people are excited about this because there's a lot of stuff. Uh, in the sort of 10 gigabit per second range, like 10 gig Ethernet and 8 gig fiber, uh, that was hard to get to full throughput on existing Thunderbolt. Like mm-hmm. people actually did hit bandwidth limitations of Thunderbolt. Sure. Uh, this will give them enough headroom that they can actually start implementing those things on Thunderbolt and get full speed and not have any overhead there. So sure. um, that side's exciting. And, and it becomes... So it won't ramp till 2014, but uh, it becomes you know something you just get on all your Macs because it's rolled into the chipset. Sure. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's it's funny because we spend, especially the last few months, but you sort of spend the whole year hearing that Thunderbolt's a failure, Thunderbolt's dead, whatever, and then you come to NAB and you see all this hardware using Thunderbolt. Yeah, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. It's and it's and it's just reality is it serves specific users it doesn't serve people who need to connect keyboards as we've always said but it's always just it, it is a little surprising to see how many people have thunderbolt docks how many people have thunderbolt storage um you know thunderbolt yeah. host bus adapters thunderbolt video capture yeah um it's great yeah someone just needs to make a thunderbolt gpu yeah or just a thunderbolt cuda core basically um yeah, so much to that. Well, and part of that, you know, moving up to 20 gigabits, doesn't that put it in the range of 16x PCIe? It gets it closer. Um, I mean, but I mean, I was trying to figure this out. Like, I there are probably scenarios where the card DMA is actually maxed out. Um, but I don't know if that's true for most daily usage. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, scope box running in 4K to me seems like just about the worst possible scenario because we're pushing a 4K frame to the card pl- every single frame, plus we're pushing like, you know, 5 to 10 4K palette rasters to the card. And so if we're able to do that, 
I mean, you know, how many textures are you uploading in a game? How many? Right, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's a big deal for someone trying to do all of their compositing on a card. You know, if you're trying to do an entire nodal tree and you've got, you know, seven inputs. But for the most part, I mean, if you think about most, like, nodal composite trees, I mean, unless you're doing, like, 3D comping, for the most part, you have your input, and then your input, like, splits off and recombines, and none of that needs to be DMA'd right. across the network. What about for just general OpenCL stuff? I mean, it seems to me, I mean, unless you're throwing stuff up there, I mean, there's the very rare... I mean, there's, there's two types of problems, that's usually scatter and gather. And scatter, you blow stuff out into more space. Gather, you combine it down into something like a histogram. And, you know, traditionally, scatter has been the thing that GPUs are really good at, which means you're uploading a small amount of data and blowing it up and then displaying it, which is perfect, you know, for DMA speeds. Right, well, but if you're doing OpenCL and you actually need to pull that data back down. Right, to... yeah. I mean, that's where it gets to be a problem. Um, yeah. I just looked the um, spec for PCI 3 16x is about 16 gigabits, 15 point okay, something. Okay, so you could do it. Um, there's a PCI Express 4 spec, but that won't hit the market for another couple of years. Sure. But So uh, we could almost, you know, we could conceivably replace a single GPU. Well, and you get two channels of that on Thunderbolt, so. Can they be either direction? Yeah. I thought they were always asynchronous. I don't think so. I think oh. it's actually two fully synchronous channels. Oh. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what uh, whether this changes. I mean, my impression has been that the reason we don't have Thunderbolt GPUs right now is because Apple hasn't blessed drivers for it. And that right. may be because Apple doesn't think that it's a, there's a stability issue that the system doesn't like. There may be a fundamental engineering thing in OS X that it's not equipped right now to handle GPUs being unplugged from PCI. Right. right. I mean, but at the same time, you could you could be an NVIDIA and create a CUDA-only driver. Sure. And ship your, you know, just a box of like Tesla cards. Yeah. That sat on... I mean, if I could take my Air and turn it into a supercomputer... You know, when I'm at my desk, that's not a bad, you know, thing for them to get into. I guess they're doing that now. They're just saying you connect over gigabit Ethernet. Right, to you. That's what grid is. Yeah. 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 Eh, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. How, I, it, it'll be interesting to see if this changes with Mountain Lion, or um, not Mountain Lion, 10.9. We don't know the name of the cat uh, in the next couple months. Delayed Lion? Yeah. So we hear. Um, how about the fun stuff, Grip Gear? <laughs> That's not what makes it fun. It is fun. You go to Central and you think about like, oh, when I make my movie, I, I'm going to get a crane and some Z-stands and some lights. I, You know, that's not what I think. When I go to Central, I say, I am so glad I can sit in an office by myself and make things without <laughs> like having to crew up um, you know 
Yeah, the production stuff is fun, but like you have to wake up so damn early, and yeah. you have to. Everyone has to show up on time. And... But they have catering. Yeah. It's true. And apple boxes. Yeah. You get yeah. to sit on apple boxes. Yeah. True. Fair enough. Black wrap. Yeah. Gaffer tape. Okay, you've convinced me. There's a lot I'm of good switching. stuff. Yeah. We're gonna go into indie. The Virgin Media is now a. Uh, An indie filmmaker. Yeah. You're gonna equip the scion with some c-stands um the the okay so movi movi is that what movi movi m-o-v m-o-v-i movi movi i think i don't know m-o-v-i this was the star of the show i think at least in terms of hardware yeah i would i would concur it's one of those things that's a little close to magic in terms of when you actually see it being held and moved, it's a gyro-stabilized camera mount, sort of in line with a Steadicam, but without all of the setup of a Steadicam and without a lot of limitations of a Steadicam because it's not bolted to your body. And without having to know what you're doing. Right. It's just a thing you hold, and it keeps the camera perfectly steady in space as you move it around. You can do really smooth pans with it. You can move it up and down. You can shake it, and you can rotate the rig, whatever. It keeps the camera fixed. Right. And so this is by... We started seeing this right before the show. They kind of purposely leaked everything out. Um, and it's by a company, Freefly, which makes drones and sort of... Remote control cars remote control and cars cable and cams. Yeah. And, yeah. and so they're big... You know, they've had these for a while on all of those motion platforms. And essentially it's, you know, it's just like the the gyro-stabilized mount on, you know, like a big helicopter rig. You know, they have gyros, they have motors, and they compensate for any motion that they sense. Um, and so they just got rid of the drone part and put a handle on it. And now you walk around with it and it does... So if you turn your hands, the motors between that axis and the camera turn in the opposite direction so that the camera stays exactly where it was. And it's, you know, the, the latency is so incredibly low on it that it just, the camera never moves. It's, it's really impressive to see. Yeah, and it's um, sized to take something like a Red Scarlet or a DSLR or even a Canon C300. So fairly, you know, beefy cameras in that space. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a number of sizes eventually, but the one they were showing off was their medium size, which I think is right. the first one they're going to share. Right, you're not going to put an F65 on this one, but... No. and But you don't probably want to carry around an F65 at arm's length yeah. without a, you know, vest. Yeah, and... $15,000, roughly, yeah. and they're completely unapologetic about that price. I think they've taken the attitude of, this is really cool, and people will happily pay this amount. Yeah, or rent it. Yeah, well, that too. Rental houses will happily pay this yes, amount. Yes, yes. Uh, it's all carbon fiber, very nicely put together in a little device, um, and yeah, definitely innovative, and it's not something we've seen before. It's not sort of an iteration on something uh, that we've seen in, in previous years in terms of this handheld non-steady cam sort of thing yeah so um it'll be interesting to see how widespread you know how, how many of these actually get out there and um whether other people now jump into the business yeah 
Um, you know, there's a lot of kickstarted study cams. You wonder if people will start doing kickstarted sort of lower cost versions of this. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, know. I mean, I don't know what the, you know, how much of the $15,000 is bill of materials and how much is research and development, you think? Yeah, and I'm not sure how much of it is readily available right. stuff that's just been stuck together for the first time. I mean, there has been a lot of work in this stuff on the sort of open source drone world in the past few years. Um, and they've really gotten the quality and the cost of these gyro-stabilized things. These, you know, they're called IMU, inertial monitoring units. You know, they've gotten really good. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if we're going to see, you know, an open source Arduino sort of controller that does this yeah. in the next year. Yeah. That'll be... I could see it going either way, but yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, fund our Kickstarter. <laughs> and we'll fund a different Kickstarter that actually does it. Um, speaking of drones, there were obviously a lot of drones on the show floor and there were. outside. Um, maybe not as much innovation as I was hoping for, but um, definitely the star of the show in terms of drones was from a company called DJI, DJI Innovations, um, that had a whole range of drones from the Phantom, which is almost like a remote control helicopter, sort of, it, it's got more design to it. It's white plastic um, rather than all just sort of carbon fiber and is designed to lift a GoPro or a similar camera. Right, so the DJI is like the Apple version of the Parrot AR drone. Yeah. Like, slicker, more expensive, with really nice software. Right. And so the way these work, this is a quad cop, quad rotor. Yep. Um, and it's got a few things to make it possible for a normal human to fly these. Um, it's got a sort of self-landing mode if you take... Right. If, I mean, so see. first it has an IMU, like we were just talking about, which manages the real operation of the drone. So the drone stays top up even in wind or anything else. And all you are doing with the controls is going up or down or left or right or turning. And so your job is just to point it in the right direction. Its job is to fly itself. Yeah. Um, what else? It um, has hover. So if you take your hands off the controls, it doesn't just drop out of the sky. It actually stays fixed. Right. Yeah. Um, and then the the more expensive models have GPS, which lets you do either. I think they let you set waypoints on where you want it to go, but more importantly, it will hover better because it will actually stay where it is even in a wind. Like it knows that it's not moving. And. and and it'll return home if it loses contact with its remote. Right. It remembers where you turned it on. And if it's about to run out of battery or you just get scared and turn off the controller or accidentally drop the controller in a lake or something, it will just hang out in the sky until the batteries are almost dead. And when the batteries are ready to die, it will come back to where it left from. Which is pretty cool. As long as you're not launching it off of a boat. Yes. <laughs> Um, they have not solved that problem yet. And so, and then the same company has um, eight rotor units, and then what? What do you call that? Eight rotor with dual rotors on each wing. It's called 
those are still octocopters. Okay. Okay. Um, and so they go on up through um, units capable of lifting red scarlets and that sort of like red size. reds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With nicer mounts and and all kinds of things. So um, they're obviously really blowing it out in terms of supporting a whole line. And they were selling these on the show floor. And obviously, it's you know it's not cheap, but at seven hundred dollars, it's a reasonable investment for someone who wants to play around with this i think yeah now i mean at 700 dollars, it is not a reasonable investment it is a reasonable impulse buy. yes it's a reasonable toy yes <laughs> yeah which is great i mean you know the thing we didn't say is it has a even that the cheap one has a gimbal on the bottom where you can put a uh gopro right and is the gimbal adjustable uh it's not remotely adjustable I okay don't think it's so it's fixed. just like a Pointed at something. Yeah. Pointed in a direction and then launch it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. On their higher end models, they're you know right. fully they adjustable. Three axis gimbals on the higher ones. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they certainly weren't the only ones doing this. You sort of saw everything from very homemade ones on up through very fancy, you know, even even things that are more like very large remote control helicopters. There was yep. one that looked vaguely menacing, sort of getting into Predator drone, sort of all black. Stealthy right. helicopter. And they've been around for a long time. Those guys are the ones that are been like the go-to guys for the really high-end like stream shots and stuff. Yeah. And so I don't know. I mean, it seems like there's going to be something there going forward. I mean, obviously, if Chris Anderson quit his day job at Wired. He thinks there's something that's going to come up drones, and. You know, video seems like a good candidate for use, you know, for a viable use case. Um, so why, why, what, what are we still waiting on? Well, I, I would say, you know, from my perspective, things like the DJI Phantom is still a little bit in the toy range for two reasons. One, um, the quality of the GoPro, while very, very good, is unless you're doing sort of sports and other things where that, that quality is acceptable, you're not going to intercut that footage as much with something off of a Blackmagic Cinema camera or red or something. Um, it's yeah. not in that same league. Not in, not in fiction. Right. It's jarring, but jarring is okay because the shot's going to be so cool. Right. I mean, in documentary or something. It's right. Right. Totally right. Fun. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, obviously we're not that far off from prices coming down further and from it being reasonable to get into one that can... stick in the damn pocket camera on the same thing. I mean... Right, yeah, we're not that, that far off from being able to lift one of those or from the things that can lift uh, red being a little more reasonable for, um, you know, high, higher-end indie productions. And, I mean, and I assume someone's going to have a really nice Super 16 Pancake Prime. Yeah. That has roughly the same form factor as the lens cap that they have on the all the product shots yeah. make it look like a reasonably shaped camera right 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 um and once they have that i mean i would guess some of these like the phantom may be able to lift that it's not maybe it's more heavier it's substantially heavier i yeah. think <laughs> it's battery yeah 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 i mean to me it seems like the big hang up at the current moment is flight times you know you're pretty much limited to you know 20 minutes for almost all of these I mean it seems like it no matter what size drone you pick the sort of trade-offs between weight and lift end up with you carrying about 20 minutes worth of battery yeah 
And that's, you know, that's enough for some things. That's enough for shooting a single shot for your movie. Um, it's not enough to have a camera that you're not really thinking about. Right. You know, just getting shots of you or... I guess, you know, my feelings are that I think the biggest limitation right now is from a software perspective if for for dramatic production for fiction production if you want to use one of these as an alternative to bringing a crane i really want to see software that's you know iphone controlled or something that lets you sort of say do this shot this sort of you know crane up and move slowly and make it repeatable and take the human sort of remote control rc helicopter element out of it but i mean again for that type of production yeah, if you I mean, get to that point, it just is. But m- how many crane shots are motion-controlled crane shots? You know, especially. Well, but repeating a crane shot with a nice balanced crane is a lot easier than repeating a quote-unquote crane shot with a helicopter. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I've never tried. I mean, you've got less axes. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. But uh, I would. I would. I was surprised there wasn't more of that happening or I didn't really see any of that in terms of these things controlled by iOS or Android devices. Yeah. I mean, you can probably... I'm not sure the controlling it from a mobile device is... Or a laptop yeah. or whatever, but something more than just you know, two sticks. The drone community is definitely doing that um, at large. I mean, there's... Yeah, the big open source drone project has an entire software package for Windows that lets, you know, and when you build out your drone with GPS and an IMU, you can actually tell it to move through an entire, you know, like, it's like Google Maps. You, like, set waypoints and it drives around through them. I mean, you know, you end up, I mean, one of the problems I think is going to be that you have to go to a pretty nice GPS unit in order to get three axes with relatively good, um, you know, quality. But do you need that for this type of operation, or can you sort of dead reckon it? Just dead reckon it off the IMU. Yeah. I mean, with a really good IMU, you can. Um, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, you have drift. Right. But if we're only talking about a sort of crane shot style thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to do it repeatedly. Um, The problem is, do you get it back to the same starting point every time to do the shot again? Right. If it's always taking off from a spot on the ground and you, like, take a piece, you know, take spray paint and paint the spot on the ground, you might be able to do it repeatedly. I don't know if you can do it, you know. The other thing would be run the move, run the move in reverse, get ready, shoot again, run the move, run the move in reverse, in which case you're building up that IMU drift the whole time. Yeah. And then, you know, most likely you run the shot, run the shot in reverse, bring the thing down, replace the battery, run it back up. Yeah, yeah. And this is where the, you know, the crazy bad battery life is going to become a problem. Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, as with a lot of these things, the point is that we've now got, pretty robust hardware starting to come on stream yeah and so now there's opportunity for software to do cool things yeah 
And I mean, the software they have now, like the Phantom thing, I was surprised with just how comfortable they were with those drones. Mm-hmm. I mean, you watch them like they were launching them from their hands and catching them, and they were like flying them over people's heads. Like big crowds. Yeah. Yeah. And these are not, they will cut you. Yeah. It's the fiberglass prop spinning fast. With and no there's four guard. of them. Yeah. One of them will hit you in a place that's tender enough to split open. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Wow. It's fun. Yeah. I want one. You should get one. I should. Let us know how it goes. Okay. Any other uh, big NAB 2013 news? Well, uh, I think that was it. Okay. Well... Um, we did the super meet. It was fun. We saw a lot of people. We had a good time. Yeah, thanks to everyone we who did. came out and said hi. We did the mixing light event, which was fun too. It was nice seeing those guys. It was great that they launched the new project. Um, if you haven't yet, I would definitely check out mixinglight.com. Um, we've already bought our booth for next year, so we will be back on the show floor. Yep. Yep. We're going to do that thing again. Yep. <laughs> And that's all I can think of. Okay. Well, we'll see y'all again soon. Um, and if you haven't been to NAB before, think about coming next year. It's a good time. Come. Bring the, bring comfortable shoes. If you have been before, you know why you probably shouldn't come again. What? No. It's okay. We like it's NAB. A good time. It's a good time. See you next week, Mike. Later.